Hi, I'm Jake Parker with the What's Your Story podcast. Here I talk with my guests about their life experiences, as well as current and long-term goals, and what gets them through the ups and downs. If you enjoy the show, please rate and subscribe. And don't forget to visit my website, jparkerfitlife.com, for access to my Instagram account, blog, and more. Hi guys, welcome back to the What's Your Story podcast. My guest today is A.N. Turner. Uh, we were just talking a little bit before we started recording. I told him that I read his book, Trapped in the Web, back in about February or March, and he had always been someone who I wanted to ask to have on the show. Uh, finally, was able to track down his contact information and have him on. So his background, I'll let him give a little spiel, but uh, he essentially wrote this book about how he liberated himself from internet addiction, and it really resonated with me being someone who personally had a time in my life when I had to really look at my habits in that sort of way and reflect and change them. And also, I just think it's a great thing to discuss uh, with people that are my age and any age really, but I think particularly the type of people like me and AN that have grown up with all this technology and really battle it every day based on social stigmas and all that kind of stuff. So I'll let AN give a little introduction on his end. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so I uh, sort of studied uh, areas that are related to this, uh, where I went to university um, in Philadelphia, and I worked in tech as well, and I still work in tech. Um, I grew up with the technology uh, also, and uh, just sort of found myself, yeah, really motivated to explore it more. So I really dove into it, and it was very, uh, very interesting. Um, so so yeah, here, here we are. So when did you first think about writing this book? Was it the fact that you underwent that big change yourself and just kind of reflecting on that whole journey? Yeah, for sure. So I sort of had a little bit of difficulty keeping up with schoolwork and kind of achieving certain goals. Um, so like I really wanted to change that and I started thinking like how can I like maybe improve like my productivity happiness etc um, you know I think we all think about that every day and uh, but one sort of clue that came to my mind um, was that uh, you know if I maybe change my habits with my computer or phone since that's we spend so much of our time uh, maybe that would like have a big impact right like it would be like a big lever for that and so I started like experimenting with different changes and like reading more on the topic. As I sort of started to see like benefits to myself, I started to realize, wait, there's like a lot here for like maybe other people uh, our age to maybe do and benefit from. Mm -hmm. So I committed time to like researching more thoroughly, like going through like academic research, like uh, published like papers and stuff in psychology and uh, in writing. So I kind of wrote this like part uh, self-help and also part kind of like educational, you know, it has like a hundred citations um, book on the topic. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, I think a lot of people can benefit from it and are benefiting from it. So it's, it's been pretty rewarding. Yeah. I think that one of the best things about the book, especially for me is that there is uh, a good amount of literature out on this kind of stuff. But a lot of times it's 
written by older people, people that have academic stature and have written other books and things of that nature, which is fine. But the cool thing about your book is that you wrote it from the stance of being in your younger 20s and growing up with the technology. And really, I think it, you can tell in the book that it was so much of a product of self-awareness and self-reflection. And I think what I also enjoyed is you talked a lot of them in the book in a way that was sort of self-deprecating and you talked about your struggles and you're just very honest and open about the difficulties and some of the darker sides uh, of your own journey. And I really appreciated that. Was, was that ever difficult? What, what are, what are some of the key uh, characteristics? Yeah, for sure. I still feel like a little uncomfortable with like how revealing I was of the difficulties and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, that's, it's great that you, you sort of appreciate that. Like, I guess that makes it more valuable. I mean, I think it's just sort of like an unspoken thing, right? And I, I was so confident that many other people were experiencing it that I was okay, like sort of sharing how I felt because mm-hmm. um, I knew that like other people were in the same, same boat. Um, but yeah, and like, you know, what also kind of like made me a bit more aware was that I had some time working in um, social media. Mm-hmm. So that was just like another thing. I don't know if you thought that was like a valuable part of the. Yeah, definitely. The book, I, I, I think I could, I could, I like the relation there and it definitely helped reveal why it became so important to you. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, so yeah, I mean, between like, you know, uh, social media and like for like a uh, young, like pornography, like, a lot of us are like functioning, not really like, not obviously not like alcoholics, but like we're kind mm-hmm. of functioning like addicts to like mm-hmm. dopamine, like digital dopamine. Uh, I guess for me, like I thought that like I wasn't really that functioning and, and maybe other people can kind of relate to that. Um, yeah. or, or at least like there was a lot of like room for growth. So I, um, I was like, you know, uh, I'm going to try to kick this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I guess like for some people like and I, I'm sure a lot of people are this way as well where it actually is okay like their relationship like they're pro- they're probably hooked right like if they withdrew from it for a certain amount of time they'd they'd maybe have some pain and like be discomfort and stuff like that mm-hmm. but um, but they're maybe like still like getting a lot done and like maybe that's the best life for like a lot of people but I think for some people that maybe have like addictive tendencies or the way their sort of minds are wired with dopamine, like they, they get too hooked where it is like a problem. Um, so that was my case. And that's sort of like what I was kind of writing about. I don't think it's really like a problem actually, like mm-hmm. for like, like it's not like a life threatening, like problem per se, but it's like, there was just so much room for growth. And I just couldn't really see like a whole life like that. Yeah. The thing, the thing that I see is that, like you say, there are people that, that it's just it's just fine and they don't have to reflect on how the how the internet and social media affects them and they can just go about their days but for people like you and I definitely felt the same way when you can feel its negative effects and like you want to step back but then you realize how strong of a hold some of this stuff has on you where it is almost right. kind of like alcoholism or a drug addiction where you're like I want to use this less and I want to restrain but it's difficult. It's made to be difficult by the people that are designing these apps and social media and et cetera. Yeah. I mean, hundred percent, it's a complete advertising business. So the more time you spend, the more ads they can sell and the more data they have on you to make that more targeted and valuable. So 
uh, there's every incentive for them to get you to spend more time on it. Go, going off what you said about the fact that some people, it just doesn't really affect them as much. I also kind of question that a little bit. I think that that's probably true to some extent, <laughs> but I think a lot of it is also people like, you just kind of have to open people's eyes to some of this stuff where like you say right there, you know, a lot of social media, most of it is just based on advertising revenue. And if you told that to someone, I'd say, Hmm, I never thought about it like that. Maybe I should kind of be more <laughs> self-aware. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. I mean, I think some people though, like uh, they like to take the red pill and kind of like mm -hmm, just be in the exactly. matrix and mm -hmm. they don't really concern themselves about their own growth or anything like that. Um, so I guess those people, it doesn't matter. They don't have to be self-aware and these social media companies can profit from them, you know, but then like, you know, they have kids and like also their attention span and everything. Like it's not good for society. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So talk a little bit more about just how the whole advertising uh, aspect of social media plays out uh, for someone who wouldn't be familiar. Yeah. So they have, uh, you know, their, their main like 99% like revenue source aside from maybe like data they sell to like the government for security and stuff like that um, is advertising. So just the volume, like the amount of ads that they sell on their like Facebook, Instagram, such like that um, times like the value of the ads, right? So how, how expensive they are to buy. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, those two levers both go up as you spend more time on the site, they can spend, they, they can sell more ads and they can get more data from like what you're doing on the site to like make the ads more targeted towards you mm -hmm. based on things like you spend more time looking at, like, let's say you're looking at certain pictures or commenting on certain things, like they'll like make inferences that you're interested in certain things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you may not be buying products from the ads that you see on Facebook and stuff like that, but you are probably like subconsciously influenced by that. And yeah. so like in maybe a year, if you're making a decision between certain things to buy, you may buy the thing that you saw on the Facebook ad mm -hmm. and companies know this because they do like a lot of big tests. And I was doing those tests at Overstock. Actually, I was kind of managing that, helping manage that. So, um, yeah. And then you also are really vulnerable on Facebook too, because you have this sort of like a negative uh, peer comparison. Mm -hmm. So you're seeing everyone at their best sort of yeah. parts of their lives while you're typically like isolated and maybe you have some anxiety. That's why you like opened up the app. So mm -hmm. you're like really vulnerable to like seeing things and then, you know, yeah, so they like already, they already like, have you, they already got you feeling it, vulnerable and then they kind of attack you with these ads. Like here, this will make you feel better. This will make the perfect. You absolutely. It's the perfect system. And now there's this kind of dangerous sort of perfect storm where <laughs> uh, there's a lot of like credit card debt because of this instant gratification thing. Mm -hmm. um, like people are seeing these products and they like also see these people living these kind of fabricated lives most of the time. And they like want to compete. They want to like buy certain clothes or things. And like, so we actually like in terms of the economy, that's maybe another conversation, but mm -hmm. if there is like a recession, there's actually a large amount of just consumer debt on, on the credit cards and stuff. And I think that's tied into the, to this problem as well. Yeah. Just keeping up with the Joneses as they, as the old saying goes. Yeah, exactly. 100%. I think that one of the, one of the really interesting things that 
I, and I didn't really even learn this until somewhat recently, when you start to think about the manipulative aspects of advertising and the subconscious sort of stuff, like you say, you know, mm -hmm. if you go, their, their, their prerogative is not necessarily that you go and buy that thing immediately. It's having that thought in the back of your mind where, like you say, if it's a year later, you might still have that in your subconscious memory that this product is better because of never and yeah. I just, I just remember the comparison of like a lot of times car commercials are really uh, just flashy and out there and kind of almost silly uh, by how ex extravagant they are. But they say that your subconscious brain absorbs that and still thinks that, oh, you know, if I get this nice sports car, I'll get more women and I'll get more status. And in your, in your conscious brain, you would never think that, but it still pulls at you and you know, that you're still being subjected to that information. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree. Anything like visual, especially like we kind of hold on to and that's part of the problem with like pornography and addiction is mm -hmm. that it's, um, it's really hard to withdraw from it because it gets so like stored in our, in our minds as like tied to this excitement. Um, mm -hmm. so yeah, I, I completely agree. People may be wondering like how could they track like a purchase like a year later? And you have to think like, how often have you given your phone number to like CBS or something? And then you have to think, how do I log into Facebook typically <laughs> mm -hmm. for many people? It's, it's their phone number. So they can tie like when CVS, when you purchase something at CVS with your credit card, uh, you can like, they can tie that to the advertisement by phone number. Mm -hmm. Like they look at the phone number from the purchase and map it to the phone number from the app. So, uh, people, so yeah, that's and, how that. Yeah. And there's so little laws on, what sort of things can be held back or what sort of things companies can or can't do with your information. That's one of the, I think if you were to ask like forward thinking people uh, in the cultural and society, one of the big issues is that all this information is so widely available due to the internet and it's just not policed because it's, it's so relatively new. Yeah. hundred percent. And you can look at the like conversations in Congress and it's crazy how, mm -hmm like little they seem to know about like some mm -hmm. of the largest businesses in the, yeah. the world and actually like of all time, like, like businesses mm -hmm. have never been that valuable. Like flashback, like 30 years, GE was like the most valuable business, like $60 billion mm -hmm. was the value. Now these companies are like in the trillions and the senators and such don't know how they work. So. Yeah, it's like when it's like when Congress was talking to Zuckerberg and they couldn't seem like they couldn't even wrap their heads around what Facebook even was. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, how, how it made money because it was free. Mm -hmm. And it was mm -hmm. like, well, that's exactly the, the problem. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah, I want to clarify that how like the tracking works. Um, so anytime, you know, a, a business has your email address or phone number, they can tie that to the um, Facebook ads, which also has your email and phone number. And so yeah. even if it's not like you may not buy the ad or the product like that day, but if you buy it afterwards, they, they know that. And yeah. That's how like and businesses. Yeah. And I think the other thing that's important to reiterate is, is like what you said, uh, it kind of ties back to, like I said, when you, people might have the urge to use the internet and social media less, but it's tough because it's like, again, if you want to compare it to drugs, it's like a negative reinforcing cycle where you, you mentioned you feel lonely you might go on Facebook or whatever, and then they have you feeling more vulnerable because you're being compared to not yeah, even, exactly. not even, not even to mention the, the, the best, the best version of themselves that people are putting on there. 
and then they try to sell you these things and it's just uh like you know the feedback loop like you talk about totally totally yeah and yeah with the advertising too it's interesting there are these like marketplaces where businesses buy and sell data on people for their mm -hmm. their marketing um so like one is called blue Kai. actually oracle owns it i had no idea this existed until i worked at overstock in their marketing tech like group um <laughs> but like it's just it's just crazy the amount of data so it's like facebook doesn't only have the data that like you give it from like your interaction mm -hmm. on the site it also has data on you from other sources like yeah uh, credit card companies um uh, you know everything else so uh but yeah. there's like economic benefit to this you know like you know you can be an entrepreneur somewhere and like market your product or podcast mm -hmm. or book to um you wouldn't be able to like hit them as easily and as cheaply now but mm -hmm. the problem is like the, the incentives and like what that like makes like social media do with the whole addictiveness yeah and the thing about the information is not to not to make a generalization but i usually think of like older people if you were to talk to them about this i've had conversations where it's like well i only put this this and this on my facebook and i say no when i lock up my privacy settings or whatever it's like that's only the very tip and they just they know so much more they a lot of times i've heard the comparison where they know more about you than you know about you because of the different right data, data sure. points and stuff they have <laughs> yeah there was this crazy like sort of article i'm sure you can look it up um mm -hmm. where like this this company knew that someone was pregnant before she knew she was pregnant oh i think i've heard like, about that before yeah yeah insane absolutely insane i don't know if it was facebook like or or just or google or something like based on like patterns of behavior that maybe matched someone who was or people that were pregnant before i don't know mm -hmm. like um crazy and I've heard the comparison of where uh, when they talk about these, you know, no restrictions to the, the data and stuff like that. I remember hearing on a podcast or something that they think it won't be long to where computers and technology may know when people have uh, Parkinson's before they do based on like their movements with the mouse. And then it, they were kind of going into <laughs> the legal and moral well, ethics yeah. of would you would you sell that to insurance companies like who's who's eligible interesting yeah design? yeah yeah it's crazy yeah how how interconnected do you see those two as being in pornography and social media obviously i think that a lot of the effects are sort of similar based on why we'd go to one or why we'd be attracted to maybe abusing one or the other uh but how are those similar and different to you but yeah, I mean, so then I think like with social media and, and pornography is kind of like a perfect storm where you have this like peer comparison happening typically during like the day with social media. And you also have this peer comparison and kind of like within and without with uh, pornography. And mm -hmm. I think it really like is not a good influence on people. Um, and it's like really easy to get hooked on it because it's so accessible and free and private. It's, it's just, it's interesting that it's just within the last 10 years that, you know, pornography has become available on the internet and stuff like that, where it used to be people had to go out and buy it or seek it by some other means. Yeah. And it's just so readily available now. I think that it's not, people are, I don't think are necessarily arguing that pornography is inherently bad necessarily as much as it's just like, it's too easily available, I think. 
Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. It's it's so accessible. Uh, I just I don't think like in psychology we would say like the prefrontal cortex, which kind of like mm-hmm. resists temptation, is like strong enough to like resist like a extremely brownie that is basically always in your pocket and mm-hmm. always will make you feel good, even if you're like full. Like mm-hmm. um, it's pretty pretty crazy. Um, I guess what you have to sort of remind yourself is that if you think into the future, like you like there are consequences of that and that's sort of what i was writing about in the book as well mm-hmm. so like your kind your receptivity to to dopamine or excitement uh, especially sexual excitement uh, you know lowers dramatically with pornography although you do become <laughs> you become more like receptive to the pornography which is weird mm-hmm. so you get like less interested in real real world like people have difficulty like getting like erections and like yeah. sexual intercourse but they mm-hmm. can with porn. So it's just kind yeah. of like, uh, so and people, if, but, yeah. I just think even beyond that, I think it's probably hurting the whole dating scene where it's like people don't want to go out and try to date or try to, if you're talking about guys specifically, I think you say there's overwhelming majority of porn users, but it's like they don't want to go out and date and meet women because they have this readily available technology that can get them uh, this this ends that they're that they're looking for yeah for sure and like you know with you know quote unquote like much less like cost like much less Mm -hmm. like time Mm -hmm. energy money um stress but the thing is though that there's like you know other benefits of like real world relationships like emotionally Mm -hmm. and psychologically and stuff but um but yeah and then but the but the porn like it literally makes you more interested in the porn and less interested in the real world like Mm -hmm. with a dopamine receptivity so uh so yeah it would make perfect sense that someone would rather not date because they're literally getting attached to um to the the porn so yeah um, and i've heard that there's like some sort of new research i'm not super well versed on this so take it with a grain of salt but something where uh, <laughs> they're fi- they're finding that dopamine is more le- less so uh, like the result of good feelings like they used to think and it's more so the result of like re reiterating these habits and habit formation and doing things again so it's like the more you do things like for example the more you watch porn the more you want to do it and it's not necessarily the good feeling or maybe after a certain extent it's not so much the good feeling it's just the re uh, reiteration of the the cycle and the habit yeah yeah I think you get kind of um not acclimated but i guess yeah you you come to expect like the certain like pleasure like in a certain mm-hmm. routine kind of like, you have to kind of break yeah I mean, we talked about drug users it's like you use more and more of the drug the more that you're on it to get that same high yeah so that definitely is the case like for sure true just based on like research and stuff and and that that ties into the dopamine receptivity so uh, you you do get less receptive to not only the real world um, sex but also to uh, porn. So you have to watch more and more, like kind of you know unnatural novelty where you're watching multiple videos in in one sitting and and kind of unnatural kind of fantastical like erotic mm-hmm. scenes to get the same like high. Mm-hmm. And you know in the book like as you know like there's obviously that the like analogy with sort of. Uh, like rapists and like serial killers where like oh, yeah. it almost like 
kind of warps the reality where they need to get that high. And, and mm-hmm. for them, like some of them, it was like the only way to get that high was to like do something crazy, like in the mm-hmm. videos in the real world. Um, but then, you know, I think for, for more people, like uh, the sort of like benefit uh, or the takeaway is that like, you know, they can just benefit more generally by, by reducing use of that um, and ideally stopping. Cause it's just, it's mm-hmm. so easy that like, if you use it, it's like a vortex um, but, but stopping so that you can have more like, not like avoid being like a serial killer or like rapist, but like, so you yeah. have more energy to like attack the real world, like more attention span, um, you know, for just like the, the their careers and, you know, their yeah. relationships with other people. Uh, so based on, you know, talking about sort of the realm of dating, I remember one of the things that was also memorable, memorable, uh, for me from the book was you sort of talked about, uh, you know, how you can f- kind of find out anything you want about someone before ever meeting them. And especially oh, yeah. how, how weird that is in like the dating world where, and, yeah. and I, I think I remember this specifically because I've done it and I know that my friends and I do it. It's like, oh, like, the, you know, there's a new girl that you're thinking about taking out on a date or that you're kind of making some sort of relationship with or whatever. And it's like, you kind of ruin it by just going and finding out everything about them by creeping their social media. Like everyone, you know, I think that everyone's been there a time or two. Totally, totally. Yeah, there's this, you know, the evolution of that idea, which I realized after the book and like talking with people is that there's this kind of like death of like mystery and unpredictability in our lives. Like Mm -hmm. we can get all this information about people, we can easily get directions to places, we can call Ubers to places like you can basically figure everything out. Like you can text all your friends, are you going to this place tonight, whatever. Um, So your entire life is sort of like, it's very like predictable. Like you can foresee it pretty easily. And mm-hmm. I think that's like a problem for people. Um, like there's not the same amount of like in- excitement and like unpredictability and like, you know, with these things, you know, that that's another thing that like I'm starting to think about. I don't know what you think about that. Yeah. But no, I, I never really thought about it like that, but that is, that is a good comparison where it's like, you know, in social situations, you never, there, it's, there's so much less uh, opportunity to make yourself uncomfortable and I don't say that in a bad way, but I've come to find myself those situations that make you uncomfortable are often what help you grow. But like you say, when you are so interconnected with your friends, you, it makes it so easy to show up at a place at the exact same time. So you can kind of be guarded by your friends. Uh, even if you're not with your friends and you're in a social situation, you always have that safety net of having your phone. If you want to take it out and text your friends or get on Twitter or Instagram or whatever, we're never like, it's, it, it, unless we're really trying, we're not making ourselves yeah. vulnerable in these social situations like I think is necessary. I completely agree. Like imagine how fun it would be if, you know, someone told you to meet them at a bar like in a week at a certain time and mm-hmm. you went like not having any idea like if they were going to be there and no, no way of like texting them if they weren't. Like let's say it's like a date, like uh, there's just this unpredictability yeah. that kind of like makes you more like, and like, mm-hmm. it's just maybe just more, more fun. Yeah. Um, like, who am I going to see when I go out like to this place? Like our friends told us five days ago, they were going to be there. Like, are they going to be there? And it's like, Oh my God, you guys are here. Like, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but for, for me, I feel like it's so planned out all of our lives and it's uh, lacking, uh, you know, that. So uh, obviously like there that. are benefits to these things, you know, mm-hmm. but like, like, so I think it's like about trying to get the benefits and like, reducing the costs. Um, yeah. but like at the same time, I do fantasize about like this world of like 
just like you have, you have no phone and it's like, mm-hmm. you know, where am I going to see people? And yeah, you know, it sounds like, it sounds like almost like a, like a completely foreign alien concept to us. But then you think about like, that was what our parents did when they were our age, you know, when they were in college or high school. Yeah. And it's like, it's exactly, not that yeah. crazy of a concept. You can go ask, you can go ask your parents or whoever, what it was like right now. I've definitely been guilty of it myself. It's like, not only can you text that person that day and say, oh, we're still meeting up here, but you could have like, right, exactly. I'm leaving my house. I'm five minutes away. I'm here now. Yeah, exactly. You know I mean? it's like right, checkpoints right. 100%. Every, every Absolutely. I've done that before. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm five minutes away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's classic. For sure. No, no unpredictability. No spontaneity. No unpredictability. Yeah. I was looking for. Yeah, no spontaneity of like things going a different way than you expected. And so we're less surprised. And I, I completely agree. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, another thing that I thought was really interesting from the book that I want to talk about was I think that we can sometimes find our views limited on like what is internet addiction? What is social media addiction? Insofar as like we may think, oh, I, I'm not, I'm, I don't need my phone or whatever, but it's like <laughs> I'm specifically thinking of when you talk about the fact that you would just be like listening to music or something all the time and we wouldn't think about that as a connection or an addiction to the internet, but it's that need for constant stimulation that manifests itself in a lot of different ways. You know, I, I completely agree. It's, it's that addiction to like, to the stimulation. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like people aren't comfortable being alone. And so they're always mentally occupied. And then that means they're mentally stressed and then they're anxious. Um, yeah. I mean like the costs aren't immediate, but they kind of build up and, and it's like, and you you noted you noted a study where it was like even if a phone was I think if I remember right if it was like turned off and upside down on the desk it would still pull away at some of your cognitive abilities and it would strain you mentally because you're kind of thinking you know like what if someone's texting me I wonder who's trying to get a hold of me right. yeah yeah exactly like you have to resist the temptation to use it and and that takes energy from you mm-hmm. yeah like I I don't know for me I found that being a student was like really hard because. Yeah, obviously I, I got like a little bit lucky with sort of where I was able to go to school, but um, just like resisting these temptations made it like really stressful. And I thought like, what would it be like if, if I, if I didn't do this? Um, but obviously it was more, more, it was harder than that because I had to unravel the whole like addiction. Mm-hmm. But like, I think that for, for but, me personally, I saw the biggest manifestation of, so I guess to go kind of into my own personal story a little bit, I was graduating college last uh, December now. It's getting close to a year, which is, which is kind of crazy. But And that was when I really saw it reach its peak. And upon a lot of self-reflection and a lot of different things, it, it took a long time. Like you use the word unravel. I think that's a good word. But I realized that a big reason why I was so connected to all this technology and wanted that constant stimulation is because I was worried about the next step. And I was worried about relationships and what was going to happen after college and finding a job and what that whole, you know, the end of my education for the time being would be like and all that stuff. And I didn't want to think about it. So I just kind of suffocated myself with social media at all times and listening to whatever it was and texting and constantly looking for that next notification. 100%, 100%. Yeah. I think it's tough too when we've like all grown up from the beginning of our lives with this, like always Mm -hmm. with us, you know what I mean? Like, Mm-hmm. They're like very fundamental, just things I think we're not comfortable with, like just like human, like, um, <laughs> you know, like, just, I think that, I human think life. 
like mortality, yeah, I mean, like stuff like the, that. I feel like we're yeah. very uncomfortable with these, like these concepts, you know, because yeah. we haven't really been forced to like spend time, like dealing with them, you know, yeah. the day-to-day struggles. And I think that one thing that's helped me out, I, I, I wish I did it more than I really do, but I try to meditate uh, at least a few times a week. And that helps a lot because it's one of those things where you're really trying to focus on your inner self, your, your breathing, you're trying to kind of calm your anxieties. And it's one of those moments where you're not looking from task to task, especially, you know, looking for that next notification or whatever it is. But that's one of those times when a lot of things come up. And I think that uh, that's one of the things we're trying to avoid when you're constantly under that stimulation, you can't have these like deep things that are bothering you start to creep in. Like, if you know what I mean, like there's this memory that I, I think that I should kind of unpack, but I'm just going to push it away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Meditation is, is really great. Um, also like, you know, people think like, I think they're afraid of like kind of turning their mind off in meditation, right? That's what you're mm-hmm. sort of trying to do. You're trying to like, silence any thoughts that come to you or like sounds or images, anything you're trying to silence that all while still being like awake. Mm-hmm. Um, but people are like, I guess afraid of that. But like, I find that you, you know, I get more like realizations like after that, like my mind is, our minds are still working during meditation. Mm-hmm. It's just like, you're not aware of it. And then after it, it's like, Oh boy, like you realize certain things or like, you know, yeah, it's, it's great. And then you're right. I should, I should do that more often as well. That's very I, inspirational. Uh, yeah. And it's kind of, I've heard the comparison of it's kind of like cleaning out your hard drive. You know, you, you start to, you process this information. And I think it's important to note that something that I can realize for myself, that it's not so much you want it to be about, about not thinking, but it's really about being able to remove yourself from your own thoughts is the best way to put it. You're always going to be thinking, but something that I hear a lot is the noting of the thoughts. Like, okay, I, I know that this yeah. to delve into it right now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. And I also and think I, it's like, pe- yeah, people like recoil from the meditation because maybe they think that like, you know, they're like, you know, uh, dying in a way or like, uh, mm-hmm. they, you know, or they get this anxiety. It's like they're clutching onto this, like this, like ego in the mind um, mm-hmm. and like infinity. And they just need to kind of let it go. I don't know if it's a little bit abstract, but <laughs> yeah, and it can help you. I think that you, you can translate it to the the whole addiction to your phone thing, where it's like you can know that someone may be trying to contact you, or you might have notifications, and that's okay if you get to them in an hour or two hours, or for that matter, in a matter of days, it wouldn't be the end of the world. And coming to realize that, and that no, not everything that comes to your phone requires your immediate attention. Really, I would say hardly anything does. I, I completely agree. And it's better for your friends as well, or people you're texting because they should also try to like get used to like not being in this like dopamine loop of, you know, these random texts and like, mm-hmm. just not, nothing great is going to get done. Like, you know, your, your career or school or whatever it is, or relationships, like, uh, you know, yeah. Have you heard of the book Deep Work by Cal Newport? Yeah. So I read that and like took notes on that. That was like mm-hmm. really, really, really good. Did you, did you take a look at that? I, I have, it's definitely on my, on my uh, short list of books. I haven't read it yet, but I, I know a lot of the concept. I watched his Ted talk. And so uh, yeah. it just, just kind of reminds me a lot of the things you're saying are kind of the. Yeah. The yeah. Like it's really reach. similar. Yeah. There's a lot of overlap and he just sort of sheds light in different ways, like mentions other studies and stuff. Um, but I still think like he doesn't really address the core problems with, 
social media and pornography and kind of unpacking mm-hmm. those. But um, yeah, and it's it's kind of he's so far removed from it, which I think is very useful for himself. But again, mm-hmm. it doesn't really let him have as tangible of a uh, a look at it as as other people. For sure, he's definitely very credible, though. You know how he's like a professor and has a PhD mm-hmm. and stuff. Mm-hmm. So like him like saying this stuff and he is direct about social media. I just don't think he like understands the nuances of the psychology as maybe we do growing up with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, he's, he's definitely really, really good. I mean, if people want to read other stuff, like that's really great. Uh, this, I kind of like connected with and he reviewed the book. Um, Gary oh, Wilson, yeah? he wrote the like, yeah, oh, he wrote yeah. Uh, your yeah, your brain on porn, which is yeah, like the first I like remember seeing that book. Yeah, science like based uh, based book. Um, and he yeah he left a great review for for this one. Um, but that's another really good one to check out uh, as well. Mm-hmm. And I, th- another thing I was just thinking based on our our conversation is just I think a lot of the problems sometimes can also stem from people don't have a deeper meaning in their life, and so they kind of float around from shallow point to shallow point and a lot of the things on the internet and social media are so shallow that if you don't have like right, a right. drive and sense of your values it's easy to kind of just you know it makes it work like, yeah i, I yeah, it, yeah yeah i completely agree i completely agree um and uh yeah i mean i think it's like a difficult time generally because there are these new sources of stress that we've never had before Mm -hmm. as humans, like uh, climate change, uh, decline of kind of like religions and like local neighborhoods and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think kind of like take away like natural uh, ways to reduce stress and and obviously climate change is a new one. So you have this kind of like new level of stress and these things are now suddenly available to us to, to take care of them. Right. Like you kind of like numb out when you're using like social media or pornography mm-hmm. or you're in the, the loop of texting and stuff like that. Um, so it's like a perfect, perfect storm. Uh, but I do think that it is worth it for people to make that investment of like, I'm going to disconnect from these things and like really focus on like my growth. Yeah. Um, I think it is it is worth it for people, like yeah. even if it takes a little bit of time. Yeah. And you want to talk about, you know, being in the age of the most depression and anxiety that we've ever seen before. It's like, unfortunately, it's not a mystery why it's but based on like we've talked about the addiction and how addicting these different things can be. It leads to people isolating themselves and these negative peer comparisons. And that's where a lot of the root of the poor mental health, I think, stems from. Yeah, I agree. And then like, you know, parents are divorcing more often. Um, so you have like people that have single or divorced parents and that's not the same experience psychologically. Um, so uh, there's, yeah. And I think by far, I think by far the most important thing to remember is that everyone cultivates the, the best version of themselves that they can on social media for the most part. There's, there is some people that like to be more honest and share their, their, their struggles and, real thoughts but usually people want to put their best self out there and that's not inherently bad in itself but if you look at that and compare your inner thoughts and your scariest thoughts etc then that's when it kind of gets dangerous i completely agree it's it's actually really insane the extent to which people fabricate 
lives on social media though. Like mm-hmm. I would say it's not only their best selves, it's, it's their fake selves often. Like on Instagram, I heard like I had a friend, I think from Russia or something like a coworker. And he said that there was this business where uh, they, I guess they rent or own some kind of plane or like part of a plane and like uh, girls, like I, I guess they, they rent like a, a seat for a little bit to take pictures in the plane, oh I guess to make it seem like it's, it's theirs. It's like, it's un, unbelievable to me. Um, but it, at the same time, understandable because, because of these things. So un, unbelievable. <laughs> it is. So, uh, but, uh, but there's, there's a lot of great opportunity for people to live great lives and like yeah. take advantage of these things. Like, you know, if you want to learn anything, like there's been no better time, like yeah, to like, learn something like, let's say you want to get into music or you want to do switch your career to like something all the information is like available online. So it's really just kind of up to you on like how you want to live your life. And mm-hmm. you know, these things like Uber and grocery delivery and, and stuff like that, which like, like can allow you to like work harder on the things that you want to do. Yeah. And it's a really incredible time, but yeah. dangerous. Too. What are, what are, what are what, just kind of starting to wind down here? I'm curious, maybe first off uh, to kind of help people help it resonate with people what are a couple of the biggest struggles that you overcame personally? And then what are the couple of the best tools or practices or things like that, that have been the most impactful for you? Yeah. Well, I guess one thing I want to clarify is that it was never really that extreme for me. Like I mm-hmm. wasn't like, you know, in my room all day, like watching porn or like uh, mm-hmm. scrolling endlessly on social media, like, or, or watching like crazy content too. Like I, I really wasn't doing that. And that's probably a good thing for people to hear. Like, you know, you don't have to be like in an extreme scenario yeah, to like be impacted by it and want to change, you know? So I would say that like my problems, like are those that like most people probably have, like it's probably not that dissimilar to like what the average guy experiences, um, maybe even like more mild, but I still thought that like it was just, uh, it was important to change and I, I realized it would be valuable as I made changes, I could see that things were going to be like, we're getting better for me. Um, but you know, I still struggle sometimes moved to a new city recently for a new job and I I live Mm -hmm. alone. And so sometimes like, you know, I'll spend more time than I think I should on like, um, on social media or something. And I realized like next year, like I want to live with other people like Mm -hmm. voluntarily, like ideally like friends. Um, I still haven't watched porn in like three years just because I think that's the most like that's that was the biggest problem yeah. um but I sometimes break my habits and like I you know always like think about like okay I don't need to listen to music in the gym this time mm-hmm. don't need to listen to music like while I'm doing this sort of task at work like trying to like sort of just take control yeah and I, I, I recommend other people it's so important to note that too that you know you're you wrote this book and it's a great book and it's, it's had success, but that doesn't mean that you're, you know, completely cured from any of these addictions or that you don't still, that you're not still vulnerable. For sure. For sure. Yep. Absolutely. We all are always. So what are a couple of the, do you have any best practices or maybe like a good app or tool or something like that? That's been the most helpful for you? Yeah, I guess those are helpful in the beginning, although it does come down to kind of like understanding the problem and mm-hmm. then like yeah. that'll motivate you to like actually address it. 
attack um, in the so like the me. big absolutely the best thing i did was like was start to read some of the books or articles on this issue then it was like okay i'm gonna like you know put my phone away more often um not like check social media as often um but then there, there were some kind of like hacks i guess that like helped so you know, this was like during the school time, like I would leave my phone like in my dorm or, you know, with work here. I do sometimes just leave my personal phone um, at my, my home. So I, I don't, mm. I don't check it. And those are always the, the happiest and most productive days um, mm -hmm. without doubt. Um, so just, you know, leave it behind. If you're going to bring your phone with you, like try to check it like three times uh, a day, honestly, uh, if you're trying to withdraw, you know, after that, you can maybe like use it more. Um, and then with like pornography, like it's really tough. Like you're gonna just have to do like a gradual withdrawal where you're like gradually using it less and less. Yeah. Just gradually withdrawing from everything. I don't know. There's no real, I think like, a, yeah, I guess people can get like alarm clocks so they don't wanna have mm -hmm. their phone in their bedroom. But yeah, I think it's just one. about understanding this and. Yeah, that one was huge for me. Uh, one of the one of the things that I really noticed was that I like I think many people would use my phone and would get on social media or whatever it is before bed. And then you just first of all, you're taken away from the time you should be asleep. And you're just dragging on so much longer than you intend to like five or 10 minutes turns into oh, for sure. a half hour, for an sure. hour or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. That's completely true. And I think in the morning too, like, people often check it like the first thing they do when uh -huh. they wake up. But if you can just like make your bed or just start off on a productive note, that's like a mm -hmm. very good thing, like mentally. Um, yeah. And people think like, Oh, what's wrong with that? But I think that the, the, where it's really impactful is like, what if you see a text that like spikes your quarrels all right away? Like your boss texts you or like you get, you know, exactly. You're, or you get an email about, a bill <laughs> right. about like anything like that. I yeah, think yeah, that's, that's exactly right. And then there's and for, obviously the, the dopamine, I mean, the, sorry, mm -hmm. the, the, uh, with the, the blue light of the screen, which kind of mm -hmm. makes it more like mesmerizing because it's like mm -hmm. a specific color. It's not yellow light. It's blue light. Uh, the blue light uh, actually stimulates the sun more and, uh, then like makes, tells your mind that it's not time to sleep. So mm -hmm. it's harder to sleep. So yeah. And I think not. that a couple other things I bore into like the little hacks and stuff, which, I know aren't going to be like what makes it or breaks it, but I really like to, I, I usually try to limit myself where I only get on uh, social media, well, Twitter and Facebook specifically on my browser because it makes it more of a barrier to entry. And then I've also mm, yeah. using like the blocker restriction on your, on your iPhone for websites that you find are overly addicting or that you're on too much. And it is very easy to just go and unlock it if you really want to get on that bad. But again, I think a lot of times the more barriers you can add, the better it is because if you have to do a couple more steps, you might go, eh, I really don't need to do this right now. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. Uh, and, you know, some other things too, like just wrap up like, uh, like come up with like a list of things that you enjoy doing that you can do easily, like mm -hmm. seeing friends, um, like going on like a certain walk or like taking a bath or like having like CBD and like, Taking about, um, you know, like what, whatever, like small things like that, that, you know, you enjoy that are like kind of free and like easy to do, just mm -hmm. like do, you know, do more of like those things. That's yeah. what I'm, I'm working on right now, right now, actually. 
Yeah. And no matter what, I think it's very important to remember to just try to try to pursue real world connection. Like you'll never get the same connection from social media or even talking to someone on the phone or texting than you will from meeting someone in person for a coffee or beer, whatever it is, you know, just meet, try to try to be around people in person. I think that I yeah, even yeah. noticed myself. Sorry, I was just gonna say like, as far as like my podcast goes, I'm usually doing it on anchor and uh, or zoom or, you know, whatever but it, I've done a handful in person and it's so crazy how big the difference is when you interact with a person's yeah, body sure. language and tones and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree. I think the problem for some people is that like not everyone is in like the best like mental place. Like a lot of people are like mm -hmm. negative because they're, they're hooked on these things. Right. So like the key is to find the other people that are uh, kind of like us, like a bit more like aware and like, I want to say like intelligent, like a, uh, you know, and like find them and like spend time with them. That's, mm -hmm. that's the really, that's the key. Try to, I try to get know. around people that have a growth mindset is, is the best way I think I'd put it. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Positive growth mindset. Everyone kind of realizes that at a certain point or other, but you know, I think for us, we're fortunate that we're kind of young and we have, have mm -hmm. that. So yeah, find, mm -hmm. find the other people. Yeah. There's always something to be negative about, fun. but there's always, there's always something to be positive about too. Just showing that gratitude is, is, can take you a long way. For sure. It's, it's the essence of everything, like being happy, being productive, even being social. Like I think it really all comes down to being positive. Like if you think of like mm -hmm. who's cool, what's cool. It's like, you think of like people that are like, they're positive about everything. Like they're, they're laughing and like, yeah. you know, that, and that's, that's who you want to be around. hundred percent, hundred percent. All right. Well, I think that's a good note to end on. You want to uh, go ahead and let people know about your book one more time. Uh, anything else, anywhere else people can find you? Yeah, sure. So the book is trapped in the web. The name is A.N. Turner. I, my real name actually is, is Benson Turner. I recently was thinking that I, I shouldn't have done, done the alias. Um, and people can contact me at uh, BentonTurner3 at Gmail. <laughs> um that's probably the best one to use uh, if, if they want and i'm happy to talk to anyone like also you as well definitely love to chat again uh, let right. me know if you're in la ever awesome all right well i appreciate your time and we will see you next week this has been the what's your story podcast i'm jake parker I hope you enjoyed the show and will tune in again next time. If you're so inclined, please send this episode to a family member or friend you think might enjoy it. And it would really be awesome if you could rate, review, and or subscribe to the podcast. It sure helps me out a ton. Thanks.